is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, November 30th, 2020, Season 16, Episode number 71. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. At least Nick is. The rest of us are at our homes. We'll be doing the show here. I'll be doing the show here this week and back in the studio next week. But that doesn't stop us. we got an hour, actually 45 minutes of Cowboys talk for you guys. And today we've got to rehash that game from uh, Thanksgiving Day. The Cowboys lose to the Washington football team 41 to 16 in a game that uh well i'll let you guys tell us the bigger storyline of the game because it seemed like for me uh that game that final score didn't necessarily reflect the game through most of the game but obviously at the end of the game it just all exploded on the cowboys and they lose 41 to 16 let's go and start with the storylines of the game nick let's start with you i mean just what i wrote they were one-dimensional they couldn't run the ball and, and when they they showed it early in the game that they couldn't run, and when that happens, you know obviously, especially on a defense that good, they they they're going to be looking for all kinds of trick gadget crap that they they try to throw out there, and and, and it didn't work. But I mean, you, this team was built to to go run the football. They're obviously not built that way anymore, and and they were just so one dimensional, and it affected them throughout the game, and gave and it gave Washington short fields. Amber. Uh, well, doesn't matter how bad the NFC is, is, it's just not going to happen this year for the Cowboys. I, I had jumped back on the train thinking that after Minnesota, they, they were able to do some things and then this happened. It's like, if it's not one thing, it's another. You get your two starting tackles, they go out of the game early. But then the Cowboys are still kind of in there, you know, they're still competing. But then the coaching staff, the coaching decisions, I, I, I don't understand and I know we're going to get into it, but it's just like, man, it's just we cannot enjoy one single game in peace. It's always got to be one problem with this team. So that's all I have to say in a nice way at this moment. You know what's funny? At this moment. Is, I, I don't know. I think we were all on that text message Thursday when Amber was like, all right, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. So we knew this was coming, and that was very light. So as we get into the show, I'm sure Amber will have more that she wants to throw on that pile. But that was well, a good I open, I had like Amber. four days to cool down. <laughs> Dave, what you got for us? I'm going to... AG, we just we got to talk about just riding the middle, man. Like you can't you can't follow you can't follow the team on this roller coaster. It's gonna drive you crazy. Cause listen, Thursday sucked. They looked terrible, but like they're almost in the exact same boat that they already were. Like yeah, it's it's bad to lose a division game, but the roller coaster's not over. Like there's five more of these to go against some terrible teams. So all I'm saying is just get ready to be frustrated for another month. If I had to guess. Um, as far as the game itself, I agree, I agree with with what AG just said. It, like the the decision making, like this this shouldn't have been a blowout loss. Um, 
I'm taking the point from Rob Phillips, but Washington basically started three possession in the Cowboys red zone. Two of those were questionable coaching decisions and one was a fumble by Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's the story of the game. Self-inflicted errors. I know it sucks that they lost their tackles on the first drive of the game, but they were in it. And I know, well, you know, we're going to get into the fake punt, but they were in it until the coaches decided that, that they didn't need to be anymore. In my opinion, um, I, this, this is a a game more than any other this season where I, I put it on the coaching staff, just putting their team in really bad situations. Let's jump into that. I, I really want to dive into these um, these two. It were two coaching decisions, I think, uh, that we really need to talk about as we start our moments that mattered. Um, we'll start with these two, and then we'll go around and let you guys talk about the moments that mattered to you. The first coaching decision, it was a fourth down. Uh, it was in the first quarter, about 522 left in the first quarter. Dallas and, uh, and Washington were tied 10-10. Um, and the interesting thing was there was a third and one at the Dallas 34. Dallas runs a shovel pass to C.D. Lamb, gets no gain. And then they come back on fourth and one, uh, and they have an incomplete pass to C.D. Lamb uh, where he was in one-on-one coverage on the outside. Tell me, do you, do you agree or disagree with that decision and why? Let's start first with you, Dave. The decision to go for it or the decision to throw a pass? Yeah. No, I, I mean. The whole thing. I'm, Okay, I'm 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 not going to sit here and question the decision to go for it. I'm I I like aggressive football. I like when coaches play bold. Um, you know, it's fourth and short, third and short for that matter. Like you should be able to pick that up. We saw him do it last week, and everybody applauded him for it. Um, I really hate the play call to throw it out to CD Lamb on a hitch like that. And you know, they said that they felt like they had a favorable matchup. Even if you do, it's such a high risk play on a fourth down. Um, I really, I thought that was really dumb. I, you know, I think me and Nick are in agreement that in situations like this, there's just got to be a way to make it easy. I mean, like, okay, you don't feel comfortable quarterback sneaking with Andy Dalton. There's got to be somebody else on the roster that can do it. Or, you know, you pay your running back $15 million a year. You'd like to think that he can pick up nine inches. So, you know, I, I definitely don't hate the call, but I hate the, the play that they decided to do it with. If if Andy Dalton had issues with his concussion, he didn't play like it. I mean, he was diving all over the place. He was running and and you know and, and yeah. trying to get first downs and all that. So I don't. And then they they ran it later. First. Yeah, they ran it later in the game. So I mean, I I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I don't like the throw out there. You know, I can't I can't say I hate the third down play because they did it a couple times against Minnesota and it seemed to work. So it was like, oh, that's a good play. But you know, it just to me that was the difference in the game. Just showing that we can't run Zeke. We know we can't run Zeke. We're not even going to try. We're going to try other stuff. And you know, it just kind of so deflating for the team to like we can't do what we're supposed to do to run to get a yard. We have to try other things, and it didn't work. Amber, what I don't get is like at that point of the game. Zeke hadn't had the fumble. Like, the fumble happened in the third quarter. So, it was still pretty early in the game. Why do you feel so, like, you had no confidence on Zeke or even Tony Pollard, for that matter. I mean, we've seen Tony Pollard being able to to run the ball as well. So, that's just very, very confusing to me. As I can't really remember how the O-line was playing at that specific moment, but I, I, I... it shouldn't have been that bad to the point where you can't just 
get one, like first down. Like I, I just don't understand. I it blows my mind. And the fact that it happened not just one time, it happened multiple times. That that's the thing with me. I that I just completely don't understand why not run the ball. Do, do you guys think that maybe they obviously they respects they respected uh, the Washington defensive front. Do you think that maybe in this instance they were giving a little bit too too much respect to that defensive front and thinking, hey, we got to do something different because we don't think that we can necessarily run at will against a front this good? Well, go back to the, after the Jalen interception. You know, it was first and goal in the four. It was second and goal at the six. I mean, they 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 looks like a run play on first down. That looks like a play that you know you would think you would run. Washington guessed that. And so I'm just I think the Cowboys looked at it and said when we want to run the ball up the middle and that matchup you know that man on man is not good for us. Looney's not going to win, McGovern's not going to win, Connor Williams is not going to win. They're not going to win. And then and even the, the tackles at that point in the game. I mean, it just so it's like they've got to try something else, but you know, just just showing that we're not even going to try. I, I, I agree with Amber. I think you have to try right there. That point in the game, you at least have to try to see if, if our $15 million a year running back can get a yard. Which, on the flip side, I, I agree with everything Nick just said, but the flip side is in the NFL, if you telegraph that you're going to run right up the gut and you're not good at it or you don't have the line or the back or whatever, like you will get stopped. The Cowboys did against Minnesota on third and one last week. They got absolutely stuffed and they had to do the – the end around to CD to get the first down. So I definitely can't, you know, like, no, they probably were paying the proper amount of respect to Washington's front. Like they might not have gotten it, but yeah, I still think you need to try or, you know, that's a situation where if you know you're going to do it, you've got two downs to get it. So maybe try Zeke on third. And like, I just, I think the quarterback sneak should be that play almost every single time. And like yeah. I said, if you don't trust Andy Dalton to do it, then find somebody else who can. That's what's so valuable about Dak is yeah. he's going to get it 99 times out of 100. But I joked on Thursday, like, Blake Bell played quarterback in college. He could definitely handle a snap and run forward for a yard. Like, I would have that in my playbook every single week, and you can't convince me. That, that it wouldn't work in a situation like that, at least. You know, and earlier in the game, at that point, the first quarter, I think Zeke was a fullback and with Pollard back there. And you can't think that that's, that's the, the only play that's designed there. It's just to run Zeke up the middle and a fullback. I mean, it's, it's to do something else. So I, I probably would have gone back to that. They're thinking Zeke. That's maybe when Pollard gets it. I don't know. Tell Zeke to block. Be a lead fullback. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's you know, always been one of... Go ahead, Amber. Go ahead, Amber. I was just going to say that you guys are saying, oh, yeah, pay respect to them or whatever. But how about you have some self-respect? Like, have some self-respect, respect your own team, and go out there like you you, you feel like you believe on your own team and you believe that you can do it. To me, that just shows that you're scared, that you, f- you know you're incapable of doing those kinds of plays. And you need to go out there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. You need to go play with self-confidence and to me those kinds of decisions just goes to show me or make me think that you don't think that your team has what he ha- what he needs to be able to make it happen what what if that's true though like like honestly because that's kind of what i wrote <laughs> no i wrote that that whole thing i i kind of said that was this is where the game was lost but what if mccarthy i'm just i'm just you know what if that's really the answer like i don't believe that but i mean we yep. still have to play we're not going to cancel mm-hmm. so like 
what 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 do you do if you really believe? <laughs> hey, we cannot move these guys off the ball. No, I honestly, I honestly believe that is the evaluation, and quite frankly, I think it's right the right evaluation. I don't think this offensive line can pick up that first down in that kind of short yardage situation unless you do something that's a little different. Like, and, Nick, that's where I go back to what you were saying about the, the play earlier in the game when they had Zeke and Pollard in the backfield. W- one of the biggest complaints I've had about Kellen Moore to, from the time he started calling plays here is I think there are too many of those kind of situations where they'll show you something early in the game, and to me it's setting something up, right. but they never come back and follow it up, or it doesn't seem like they come back and follow it up. And you're right, that would have been a perfect situation or maybe another situation later in the game where you put those two guys in the backfield again. It worked perfectly with Zeke uh, at the fullback position, getting the ball, running, uh, kind of running into the line and get picking up the yardage. Next time, maybe pitch it out to, to Pollard. Fake Zeke and then pitch out to Pollard. It's just like they didn't follow up and use what had already worked to the defense's uh, or to the offense's advantage. And you have to do those things when you're just not as good. And I don't think they're as good. All right, let's go on to the uh, the second decision that the coach made. Uh. This one, uh, I think most people probably had even a bigger problem with. Uh, it was the fourth quarter. It was 12-21 left. Washington was up 20-16, to so the game was still in hand at this point. Uh, it was fourth and 10 at the Dallas 24. Cowboys decide they're going to do a fake punt. Cedric Wilson gets the ball. Uh, He's tackled for a one-yard loss. I think most people believe he was actually setting that up to be able to throw the pass, was not able to do it to the punter, um, and he ends up with the one-yard loss. Uh, On the next, very next play, Washington scores on a 23-yard run uh, by Gibson. Give me your thoughts on that decision-making, because McCarthy says, based on the things they'd seen all week, they felt like they had a good opportunity there. They felt like it was the right decision. He didn't walk back on that. So what do you think of his decision there to go for it? Amber, let's start with you. Terrible. Terrible decision because, again, you you go back to saying they were 20-16. The game wasn't away. You still had, like, uh, how much time left? Like, maybe 12 minutes left in the game. In the uh, So you still had plenty of time to get back in it. You weren't that far. You were still in it. So why take a decision like that? What? It was terrible, and I went back to look at the play before the the show, and how uh, Cedric Wilson, I mean, he goes back, he takes the ball, and makes this long-ass curve all the way in the backfield. I'm like, why? Why are you taking, why are you going even further back to go forward? It doesn't, it didn't make any sense. I mean, the call, the call was terrible, and and it's not like you say, oh man, we've seen special teams play amazing this year we trust them we know they can do it absolutely not terrible decision i don't care what they say i don't care the reason behind it i i I think you should not have done that whatsoever you ended up positioning washington in a great field position they come back and score on you and then there goes the game nick i'm gonna play devil's advocate no, I can't. I, I can't. Okay. I can't. No, I can't. I mean, oh, it, it, damn. I was like, <laughs> let's let's hear it. No, no. I mean, it was, yeah, let's I, go, right? You can't. It, it, it's the, I mean, I tweeted, it's, is this the worst play call ever? And, you know, I, I think it is. Here, here, here's my take. Um, the, everything she said is right. The time, I mean, but but I thought that Mike McCarthy came in here was preaching analytics. That's that's one thing he said from the start. You know, we, we were big and proponent of, you know, analytics. Well, analytics is what probability, the 
probability rate that this is going to happen if you go for two here and all that kind of stuff. So the probability of fourth and ten, giving it to a backup receiver, let him come around ten yards, or as, as she said, long ass curve to get around to get there, make it fourth and twenty, <laughs> so you can throw it to the punter. Like that's the play. That's the probability. So you could have the ball at the 35, 38 yard line and then keep keep driving. I mean, punt the ball because the probability. Alex Smith, great story, comeback player of the year. Tribute to him to come back. He's still not a good quarterback. And his last throw was to Jalen Smith. So the probability is that he's probably going to make that if you want to generate a big play, put it in the hands of Alex Smith with the pressure on and see if Alex Smith can give you a big play. He already gave you one. That It just makes no sense to me. Dave. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else I can add on top of that. I mean, it's just like I said, I mean, it's. I think the game gets away from you right after this. They score on the next possession, and I mean, you can't tell me, you can't tell me that that's not a morale thing. I mean, you know, the defense yeah. wasn't amazing on Thursday, but they had been playing well. The two possessions prior to that were a three and out and the interception by Jalen Smith. Um, you know, like I said, they weren't playing great, but they weren't surrendering twenty three and thirty seven yard touchdowns, and that happens on the first play. Afterward, no, that's a. Yeah, that is a a demoralized defense that is like, wow, uh, appreciate you putting in this, putting us in this spot, coach. And again. they might not say that, but yeah, again, uh, they might not say that publicly, but I, that's what I believe. Um, uh, just yeah, and, and again, I mean, if it's fourth and two, okay, I'm I'm here. If it's fourth and five, okay, let's 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 party. It's fourth and ten, fourth and ten, right up near your own red zone. You give the ball to Cedric Wilson ten yards behind the scrim behind the line, so you got to pick up twenty yards to convert. He's supposed to throw to the punter, which, by the way, this ain't Chris Jones or Johnny Hecker, like these veteran punters who have run many fakes in their lives. This is a guy who's playing in like his third NFL game. You're putting him in that spot, or Cedric is supposed to, you know, find a secondary read and throw it fifteen, twenty-five yards down the field as a wide receiver, like. The whole thing was asinine, and I mean, the coaches can defend it all they want to, but what? it was awful. Hey. Uh, and and I, I say that as a guy like I love fake punts. I love being aggressive. That wasn't aggressive; it was reckless, and it didn't work, and it cost him the game. What What are your thoughts when when the special teams coach comes out and says it would have worked earlier in the game? <laughs> uh, well, they should have called it then. <laughs> call they should. I mean, that <laughs> right. <laughs> call it earlier in the game. I'll call it. I'll call it earlier when you see the more favorable look. Yeah, and when it doesn't work, I'll put it in my five plays article. Like, oh, don't forget this play, you know. But don't make it like the game. You're right. I mean, that when that happened, it was like, yeah. you know, you flip that. The, what are they? What are they? WFT. Yeah flip those last two because yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> what it was and i'm sure every one of us got a text message from someone that said those exact three words maybe people that i don't you know, the, like oh it's just people that i don't talk to on a regular basis I, you know it's thanksgiving everybody's watching football like people i don't hear from on a regular basis were texting me like what did i just watch in your game right, what, what i'm like that? i'm trying to figure that out i'm trying to figure that out too yeah, I, the, when I and I've had to talk about this with people all weekend. I'm sure you could probably guys probably have too as you're talking to different family members. My thing is always look when you call something like that. I'm not killing you for making the call to do it, even though it was a bad decision. I think I'm not killing you for that part. What I'm killing you for is 
You made that decision in a bad situation, and you didn't have a play call that was so great that it would overcome that bad situation. Like, if you can convert something like that because you, you knew we have been working on this one play that we knew was going to be perfect for this situation, and we were able to convert it. In those kind of situations, hey, it worked out for you, great. It was still probably a bad decision, but it worked out for you. So I'm killing him for the fact that, like you said, Nick, when you start factoring in all the things that are probabilities in this, that you're going to have a wide receiver who's going to be able to throw a pass downfield, that you're going to have a punter who's in his third NFL game is going to be able to run a route and get open, that you're going to be able to convert this thing 10 yards, right? Everything about this says, no, it's not going to happen. But somehow they felt like it was, and it proved out that they were absolutely wrong, as we all knew they probably would be in that kind of situation. So, Which, all things being considered, it was a bad decision. It was a really bad decision. It makes you wonder. And again, these are the you know these are the types of things that you will never hear somebody say publicly. But it makes me wonder what they were thinking about the state of the team. Like you know, are they on the sideline? Like defense has given up a touchdown if they have to go back out there, no matter what. I mean, because that it, it it's a call that reeks of desperation. And like I said, like yep. they're not they're not going to say that publicly. But I wonder. They're like, we got we to gotta stay on the field or we're losing the game anyway. Uh, which, if that was their mindset, then maybe I understand it a little bit better. But, but come, yeah. I mean, no, but how it, could it, it was, be? All, it was bad. Know, that's not it was like bad. you're facing Mahomes or Drew Brees or somebody that you can't, you know, you can't stop them. I mean, they're, they're, facing, yeah. they're facing Alex Smith, who they, up until that point, they, have not, they had not driven the ball past midfield for points since the first quarter. I mean, they've got some short fields, but they had not been able to drive the ball since the first quarter and score any points. So what? What is? why do you have to generate a play? How about just let yeah. Nicewander do what he does? He punts. He can punt yeah. 50, 60 yards, flip it down there. There could be a block in the back, the way those refs were calling on special teams. And then, you know, and then, and then you got to go make a stop. You're, you're down four. But, I mean, I, I, the Cowboys – I wonder what the win probability was for the Cowboys at that point in the game. I mean, I bet it was right there at 50-50. You know, depends on when they punted it. But, but as Dave said, I mean, everybody said the coach took them out of that. The coach said, we're taking this away. And then, <laughs> then the bottom really dropped out. And they have been playing well to that point. So I, relatively well. I mean, you're only down 2016. Things, there are some things that are going well for you at that point. You're already, you're already down your two tackles as well. So... I just, I just think he basically put him in a situation that you put a team that has a much better defense in, that you put a team that has a much better offense in. He doesn't have those things to be able to take those kinds of chances. He's got to play it a little closer to the vest when his team is actually in a ball game. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we got some performance reviews we want to get into. We'll talk a little bit about those tackles and what, the, what it's looking like as far as uh, their ability to come back and play here down the stretch in the final five games. Do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more, do more, Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. 
By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Cowboy fans, Black Friday kicks off at the Dallas Cowboys Pro Shops with up to 40% off new gear. The Pro Shop has a huge selection of cold weather gear and hottest holiday gifts. Tis the season for football and holiday fun. Visit your Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop or shop.dallascowboys.com to shop all of the holiday savings. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're going to do some performance reviews. We're talking about the Cowboys and the Washington football team game from Thanksgiving Day. Cowboys lose 41-16. to In the first uh, quarter, the Cowboys lost, versus, lost both of their starting tackles, Zach Martin and Cam Irving. Uh, as a result, uh, check these lines out. Zeke has 10 carries for 32 yards, a 3.2 average. Pollard has 4 carries for 12 yards, a 3-yard average. They allowed 4 sacks throughout the game. So my question for you guys is, what's the status of uh, Martin and, uh, and Irving? Because it doesn't look like if they don't come back anytime soon that this team's going to be in position, even against bad teams, to really be able to do a whole lot. Dave, what do you know about that? Uh, it's an MCL sprain for Cam and a calf strain for Zach. So based on what Zach looked like leaving the field, I mean, I'm sure it hurts like hell, but it looked a lot worse than a muscle strain. Can so, we get a cart? Uh, that's good news. I guarantee you, I guarantee you. He probably said no. No, Zach was like, F that. I'm not doing that. I guarantee you he said something like that. I'm betting that. Yeah, I'm betting he was like, I am not getting driven off this field. I'll walk. It was almost Friday by the time he got off the field. I mean, it was like, my God. It took a long long time. Um, so So MCL sprain, we know that's typically a three or four week injury. And the timetable on Zach is probably three or four weeks, which so basically I would guess I would guess you're look maybe maybe the San Francisco game on December 20th. But I would guess the Philly game after Christmas is like a realistic spot. And so then you just got to ask yourself, you know, are they still playing for something by then? Because if they're not, I would imagine you just shut those guys down. But something to, you know, we'll see, you know, if, if they can. If they can get a win or two here in the next few weeks, maybe those guys come back. And if they can't, then probably not. I just keep thinking about Nick's calf, and I'm like, man, <laughs> three, four weeks. I don't know. That doesn't seem right. Well, like, true. That seems like that's well, more I like mean, about honestly, a year. Honestly, though, 
Like he's he's going to do what what anybody with a calf injury should do, and that's get off of it, and and you know, and and not not walk around or not try to run or anything stupid. So he's going to you know play football. Oh, yeah. yeah, dumb. But he's he's gonna he's gonna take care of it. I'm sure way better. But um, when when did that happen? How long ago did that happen? May twenty eighth, two thousand nineteen. And the reason I know it is because how's never, it feel? It it feels fine if I walk, but I guarantee I start I start running, like, you know, it hurts. So I didn't. I probably damaged it more. <laughs> but and he's not going to damage it more. He's not going to do that. But it's, no, he's not. But it, no, I have not. a totally different opinion about that injury. I really I really thought that was kind of like hamstring, like you know, a couple weeks, whatever. But as we as we've seen with Cheeto and other players, I mean, just there's different types of hamstring. I mean, look at Daniel Jones. I mean, he's. He's probably going to be out. He could be out maybe the rest of the season with a hamstring injury right there. So it's just it's those those strains are different for for different guys. But uh, I it, I don't think he's going to come back. Uh, Zach Martin. I don't know about Cam. I don't either. For I mean, if I'm just like if if you yeah. just ask me my gut feeling, I don't think he comes back. Like you know, if this was if this was a team with with something meaningful to play for, maybe he could gut through it in a month. But why? Why would you do that to the best player on your team in a season that doesn't look like it's going anywhere? Yeah. Since we're on this topic, can I ask a fan question real quick? I, sure. I was seeing people, and we know we've talked about this O line and all these injuries. And at first, we were thinking, oh well, we know they haven't had a off season, the pandemic, blah blah blah, and all this. And then we accounted all those injuries to the possibility of that being the reasoning, but this far along into the season, why is it that we keep seeing so many O-line injuries this year? And I know that's hard to answer, but what would you think is the problem here? Why does it keep happening at this point of the year? You know, I I, I think it's, I really think it's, it's bad luck because None, none of them are the same. I mean, Tyler Biotis gets hurt in in pregame warmups. Are you serious? Like, I don't know what happened with Zach Martin. I mean, it just it didn't look like he. It was like way away from the play. Um, you know, Cam I think got kind of rolled up on. I believe I, I didn't really looked at that again. I just think they're all so different that I don't know if you can put your finger on one thing. But I mean, if you look around the league, everybody in the league's getting hurt. I mean, it's not just the Cowboys. Yeah, it, it, it's. Yeah. I mean, there's. That's. Some, I I think one thing that is unique, sorry, Dave. One thing that is unique about this team mm. is the injuries are happening at the same position. It's like it's like, I understand in certain places like Denver, you know, whole position groups in one place, and you know that that could be bad. They give each other the same thing, but in this case, the position groups in the same. They're giving each other the injuries. I mean, it's it's. It's four tackles. It's two quarterbacks. It's it's three cornerbacks. It's two linebackers. It's just it's just it, you're really hurting this team's depth. I was just I mean I know you know there's there's obviously like you can apply science to health and and there are some really amazing uh, strength and conditioning staffs in the NFL. You know, the guys on the Cowboys roster adore the Cowboys strength and conditioning staff. Like, so many good things to say about them. So, I think you can gain an edge in that department, but for the most, I mean, it's an extremely violent game where guys who 
aren't supposed to be as big as they are are moving at speeds that they're not supposed to be moving at. Um, I don't, you know, I, I almost, it's basically, I think it's kind of a waste of time to be like, why is this happening? Be, because it just does. And the Cowboys have been very unlucky, A, that it's been as bad as it has, and B, it's been one position group. But, like, I don't think there's an underlying theme for why this stuff is happening. It's just an unfortunate circumstance of playing the game of football. You know, I, I disagree with you a little bit, Dave. I, I do think the offseason, the lack of an offseason uh, this this last year, I think it makes a difference. I think that's a lot of why this is happening, and not just to the Cowboys, happening across the league. Um, when, you're, when you're training your body to prepare to be able to play a game like this, I think people don't really understand the amount of work that has to happen starting back in April and how they're training your body based upon, Nick, you were talking about it last week when we were talking about the passing of Marcus Paul and how he and his staff would literally get with every player individually and say, okay, here are the things that we think we need to work with you on as far as your body is concerned to help you get through a 16-game season at your optimal level of play, right? And without that, now they had some of that, but without the guys being able to be in the building on a daily basis, going in and working out with their strength and conditioning coaches, it's just hard to make sure that they all are prepared and prepared their bodies in the way that they need to in order to give them the best chance. Now, football is football. It's still going to be football. There's still going to be injuries. I just think you see more of them this year because I personally believe it's, it's the fact that they didn't have the same kind of training in the offseason. I completely, for the record, I completely agree with everything you just said. It's very obvious that the unique year that we're in is a big part of why we've seen these injuries. But this happens in regular seasons too. Like how many years, how many seasons have we covered where there's like been a rash of hamstring injuries and fans are like, what the hell is going on with this team's hamstrings? Like, what are they doing wrong? Everybody's got a bum ham. Like, Miles Austin, it was like year after year where people were like, what's the deal with this guy's hammy? Like, and, and yeah, there are things you can do to combat that, but at the same time, football's football. So, yes, like the pandemic is a big part of it, but something similar would be happening in a regular year too. Maybe not to this degree, but these things just happen. Right, absolutely, and I, I agree. There's definitely injuries every single year. I think that is just, in my opinion, there is an increased number of injuries this year, and I think the reason, and you look across the league, like there are top-line NFL stars that are out this year due to injuries that took them out for the whole year, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that that happens in a year when they didn't have a normal offseason like they would have any other year. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we got some more positions that we want to talk about. we got to talk about Zeke and his fumbling situation. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local SLR experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more, do more, 
Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. We've got boxing at AT&T Stadium, and I'm not talking about some over-the-hill legends or basketball players. I'm talking about the unified welterweight world champion, Errol the Truth Spence Jr. He's going to duel two-division world champion Danny Swift Garcia in a blockbuster event Saturdays, December 5th, AT&T Stadium. Get your tickets now before they sell out at SeatGeek.com. Yeah, I added that part. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, though. As much as it was, it was not great boxing, oh, it was good comedy. Saturday oh, yeah. night was really, really good comedy. Yeah. Oh man, that was. I had a good time watching Twitter and, and seeing how everybody was reacting. Nate Robinson and then reacting to the old guys in there. But it was, it was definitely good comedy. I needed that oh, Saturday night. That's like. All right, earlier, let's jump back in. I was gonna say earlier today. You know, Snoop obviously was commentating that, and it's what reminded me of. Oh my God. What, what Amber said, and I know you looked at me. I looked at you because it was like Snoop said it best. If it ain't one thing, <laughs> it's another. Right. <laughs> Oh, we were both looking at each other, no. ready to laugh, ready no. to jump out and say it. Glad, no, but, uh, glad that yeah, she it, censored I, it. No, yeah. No, <laughs> when, when, when Nate Robinson went down and, and, uh, and, uh, and Snoop started singing Precious Lord, I, I really <laughs> almost hurt my stomach. Like, literally, I thought I was going to hurt my stomach laughing so hard. That was hilarious. All right, let's jump back in. Uh, we got to talk about Zeke, man. This, is, this fumbling thing is just out of control. He now has six fumbles this season. Uh, at the time when it happened, Dallas was, uh, they had the ball. It was the opening drive of the second half. They were down 17-13. Um, it led to a Washington field goal that pushed it to 20-13. After the game, though, and I, I'm just interested in hearing what Zeke had to say about it. Dave, what, what did you hear from Zeke after the game? I'm sure he was asked, by it, uh, asked about it by the media. What, was, what, was it, what were his thoughts on, on this fumble? I mean, his main thing was that he thought, you know, somebody, he said he thought somebody kicked the ball while he was fighting for extra yards. Uh, honestly, with everything that happened, like, you know, Zeke spent, Zeke spent a lot of his media availability talking about Marcus Paul and just the emotion of getting ready for a game in those circumstances. Like, he didn't, he didn't really offer up a lot about the fumble, but I know what he would say. He would just be, I, I can't let that happen. I have to be better because that's what he said after all of the other ones. And, it's still happening. It's it's really disheartening. I said I said this on Thursdays. Like I don't expect him to be amazing when he doesn't have his quarterback and his line is a fiasco. I mean, it would be great if he could be, but I don't expect it. I do expect him to hold on to the ball and be a reason why the team wins instead of a big reason why they lose. Um, I like I, I run out of things to say. Is like he's not playing up to his contract. 
he's not currently playing like an above replacement value NFL running back. And like, I still think he is, but, but why? Like, where's my evidence that suggests that it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's disheartening and frustrating. You got any answers, Nick and Amber? Like, I, I'm just, I'm such, such at a lot. I'm so much at a loss at this point. And, and obviously we know that he's not necessarily, um, he's not necessarily playing at a level that you would expect from a guy making that amount of money. But like Dave says, you would ex- at least expect him to be able to hold on to the ball, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't, I, if you didn't know him better, you, you would say maybe like, it just looks like a, a guy that's checked out, but I'm not saying that he is. It's just that, you know, he doesn't have his quarterback, doesn't have his line. There's so many reasons of why it's not going his way, uh, but he's got to focus better. You got to concentrate. I mean, that, I don't think anybody kicked that ball out. It sounded, his quote was like, I think someone kicked the ball out, but it didn't. I mean, like, he was fighting. You know for what, extra Nick? I, re- I rewatched it on the break, and it's hard to tell. I try to go slowly, and what it looks like is there is a defender there, and when he goes down, the ball just kind of lands and touches the foot of the guy. Not that the guy kicked it. He just happens to kind of no. land on the foot of somebody. And that's so what it, caused the ball to come out? And ma- yeah, ma- maybe cool. he thought, oh, because he felt a foot there, maybe he thought, oh, someone kicked it out. But in reality, it's just the way he landed and yeah. the fact that he didn't he wasn't protecting it with the other arm to for the ball not to go out yeah and, I mean, and that's kind of my biggest problem with this whole thing is just i feel like i feel like he's not protecting the ball like it's not front of mind for him that when i'm fighting for these extra yards even if it requires me covering the ball with both arms i'm not doing enough to protect the ball and if i can't get the extra yards without protecting the ball then maybe i don't need the extra yards is the way i would look at it if i'm him in this situation where your team needs you to, at the very least, not turn the ball over. Well, but but I'll say this, though. He, this team, how many third and one, fourth and one? I mean, they couldn't. They, they, they had first and goal from the four. You've got to fight for extra yards. I mean, he, he sees it there. He goes, I mean, I applaud him for trying to get that because he knows he's got to get a first down. I mean, I made the comment earlier in the game. I mean, this team can get nine yards easy. It's just that last yard they can't get. And, and so, I, yeah, he's, he's got to fight for extra yards. He's just got to do it better. Yeah, he's just got to protect the ball while he does it. I mean, that's the only point. Yeah. If he can't protect the ball, then it's not worth it because, as they say in the program, imagine how good it would be if we still had the ball. Like, you got to keep the ball. You can't turn it over. Let's imagine. Let's imagine an alternate an alternate reality where Zeke is one of the nine hundred guys on injured reserve. If they were getting this, if they were getting this level of production from Rico Dowdle, they'd have cut him by now. They would have been like, "Well, you're not doing it." Like, why? No, we'll just go get another guy who can do this. Like, that's the a only great th- point, Dave. I, I, it's like I said, he's not. He's playing below replacement value. Like. The one thing any NFL running back should be able to do is get tackled and hold on to the ball. And I and I, like I don't have an answer for it, but I I I I'm out of things to say. I really I really do feel for Zeke. Like I think a lot of the a lot of the criticism is over the top in my opinion. Like I think I've already said before that it's not ideal for what you're paying him, but like when the team is healthier next year, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah. But it's so disheartening that you can't even get 
mediocre running back play from a guy that's making the money that Zeke is making right now. Well, I have to disagree on that, though. Rico Dattle would not be cut. You, you think if he's got six fumbles, but he's seven, right. he's seventh in the NFL in rushing? You're definitely not going to cut a guy who's seventh in the league in rushing if he's an undrafted rookie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, that's, I mean, he's got production uh, though. But he's that's got- volume stats though. That's that's volume stats. Like, is Zeke really seventh in the league? I think so. I mean, I mean that's honestly he he's had one 100 yard game. He's averaged like yeah. more than he's averaged better than four yards a carry. Like, I thought he was seventh going into the game, and, and might, I don't know if that would have probably anymore. dropped him after with just 35. <laughs> right with 35 last weekend. Yeah, that's not going to keep him there. But but yeah, I mean, I, I get the point. And, I, and here's the deal. I mean. I don't think that Zeke is. And somebody mentioned that you know, you know, you would think that that if you didn't know him, that he would be a guy that's kind of checked out. I don't believe even for a second. I don't think any of us believe for a second he's a guy that's checked out. No, that's not either. the kind of guy that he is. I just think that for whatever reason, he can't fix this problem, and that's where to me, I think it's either on him or it's on his running back coach or some other coach to get in his ear and say, "Look, man, above all else, protect the ball." That's where your focus needs to be first and foremost. Everything else that comes from that has to start with you protecting the ball. And and if you can get those extra yards, great. First and foremost, you have to protect the ball so that he can at least in his mind refocus himself on protecting the ball in all situations. Yeah, you don't see a lot of bad quarterbacks. Uh, or I'm sorry, great quarterbacks on bad teams. I mean, they, they typically do enough to get to get, you know, win games. But you see it with running backs. I mean, there has been some some really good running backs, Hall of Fame running backs that play on bad teams. I mean, it, it, if you don't have some help around you, it's hard to just do it all by yourself. You've got, and especially if you're not dynamic, that can just take it to the house. He's not that kind of guy. I mean, obviously, you can say Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders was dynamic. Doesn't matter who was blocking for him. But but Zeke's certainly not that guy. He he needs help. He needs better blocking. He's had it his whole career. He doesn't have it this year. Yeah, and that's one of the problems, and that's one of the challenges when you spend as much money as you do on yeah. a running back, on any running back. When you pay that second contract, a lot of times it's going to be very, very difficult to get the return on investment because, as you said, Nick, if you can't do it by yourself, if you can't be the reason uh, that the team is performing really well, it really even in adverse situations, yeah. uh, then it's hard to make that money make sense. Did anyone, though, I don't think anyone on this show, did, did anyone really stand up and say, no way they should be paying this guy. Like when he was holding out and all that stuff. I don't remember that. No, I, I definitely, I, I think my attitude at the time, and I still honestly believe it, is like you shouldn't be paying a running back that. But if there's a guy that I think you can get away with paying a contract yeah. like that to, it's probably Zeke. And my, my thing with that was more about his durability uh, than you know than his dynamic ability, and that's kind of my point. Is like I'm not panicked about the Zeke contract the way a lot of people are. Like when the team's healthier, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah. Um, it's just it's, but it, it does it does suck that he is not rising to this challenge. I guess. I mean, I don't I don't envy him because it sounds hard, but that's what you expect for that price, right? And you know, I will say this, Nick. I, I at the time I thought they needed to pay him. Um, I do remember on this show, though, us talking about should you ever pay a running back that second contract? And I think we all kind of landed on it's probably not going to be a good thing most of the time, but Zeke is a a different situation. I think what I've learned since then is I don't care who it is. If I'm an NFL team, the percentages, you talk about analytics, the percentages say 
it is not a smart idea to pay a running back in vast majority of the situations a second contract. So just go out and draft another one. And by the way, you can draft them in the second, third, fourth round and still get really, really quality running backs. I just think that's a smarter way of doing business in today's NFL because I think you can get quality uh, without having to pay that big second contract to a guy that in most instances is not going to give you the return on that investment. But let's not forget the Cowboys. It's not like they don't think that way because the Cowboys had uh, the the best season of any running back ever in Demarco Murray. As far you know, he has the Cowboys' single season record, mm-hmm. and they they had, they came back the next year and said, "Yeah, we'll we'll resign you for this." About six million or so. We're not going to go over that. Philadelphia did, and they regretted it, you know. And he never was was the yep. same. So the, it's it's not like they don't already know that. I think they just felt like we're all saying here that with Zeke and everything, it's just different, and he's worth it. And so far, it's you know, it hasn't hasn't worked out. But yeah, look across have- the. Go ahead, Amber. I was just going to say, I mean, you talk about how easy it is to replace uh, running backs because of the position, but at the same time. When you look at other NFL teams just in general around the league, how often do you say, oh, the best player on that team is the running back? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you say it in, in Tennessee right now, you'd probably say that. Uh, maybe in Minnesota. Like definitely in Minnesota, you'd say that. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't you right. agree? Yeah. I mean, Zeke has been the best player of the Dallas Cowboys in the past few years. Hasn't been this year, clearly, but in previous year, I think that that you just would always see him specifically as the best player on the team, and therefore he kind of ended up with that kind of contract. There's, yeah, no wonder, think, there's um, not many ahead, teams Dave. like that. Good, Dave. I just wonder, maybe you know, again, you kind of got to go back in time and think about it. Like Zeke signed that deal before they played a snap of the 2018 season. I wonder if they would feel as compelled to get that deal done if they had known Dak was going, or excuse me, the 2019 season, if they had known Dak was going to make the leap that he has made. Because even, I mean, he was he was solid in 2018, but he took his ability to another level last season and, and certainly seemed like he was on that path in 2020 before he got hurt. I wonder if the Cowboys had been 100% confident they were going to get that quarterback would they have been as eager to sign Zeke to that deal as they were? I don't know. Right. And I think the other reason they were willing to sign that deal is because they thought they had a dominant offensive line. And Zeke was the cherry on top of a dominant offensive line. You have an outstanding running back with, a, with, a, with an outstanding offensive line. You can do some great things. So what we're seeing right now is without that offensive line, it kind of negates their ability to get great play out of, out of Zeke. And in my opinion, you could get the same play, if maybe not a little bit better, at least from holding on the ball from that standpoint, from, from other running backs out there. And I'll, ch- I'll challenge you to do this. Look across the NFL right now and find me the number of running backs in the top 10, let's say, in rushing that are on a second deal. It's not very many. Derrick Henry is the only one that can come to mind, that comes to mind for me right now. Uh, most of them are guys that are still on their first deal. And so I think that's the part you have to remember is that this is an NFL where younger guys at the running back position can give you great production for those first four or five years of that deal. It's really not worth it in most instances to pay the second deal. All right. Appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll get into some bigger picture topics. We'll talk a little bit about the NFC East. The Eagles will be playing tonight. We'll see where the NFC East is, is, is what the NFC East is looking like tomorrow when we get on the show. Till then, for Nick Eaton, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this,